Hey, this is episode 142. We're here with Cliff Lambert and Ryan Lochi and me, Chris Bellamy. And today we're going to be talking about the concept of acknowledging God's presence in the room versus inviting him in the room. Cliff and I were, were at breakfast about a month ago. And we were talking about this concept um, where, where sometimes we, we think we need to call God into our room as if he's not already there as opposed to acknowledging that he's there and, and just letting him know he's welcome um, and that we're worshiping him. So um, you want to start it off, Cliff, with um, your thoughts on it? Yeah, sure. That'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. It's just, it's just something that's kind of been on my, my heart and my mind when I, when I hear different worship leaders talk about um, inviting God into the room and, and, it, and um, kind of with, and, and I'm not saying that we don't come to God with an expectation um, because God's always working. His spirit is always moving. Um, but I, I'm fearful that sometimes we come into corporate worship and we have these expectations that we put on God um, that he needs to do something for us. He needs, uh, I'm, I'm looking for a miracle. I'm looking for a breakthrough. And um, God, I need you to do this for me. Um, and I think we have, to, we have to be careful of that only because, you know, my understanding from Scripture is that um, God kind of works and wills as he moves or as he, as he pleases. Um, and, and, you know, we have to just kind of put our trust in the fact that, that, um, God knows what he's doing. And, uh, in those moments of, of worship that maybe necessary, it might be that in that moment, that particular breakthrough that we're desiring, um, is not his plan for us at that moment. Um, but that, but that he is asking us to do something else. And I think, when we when we come to, to to him in worship, it's more of just an awareness of his presence in the room, rather than asking him to come. Obviously, his Holy Spirit resides inside of us, and there's the manifest presence of God, um, and I, and I, and our worship helps enhance that. Um, but I think it's just having an awareness of his presence, and then letting him move and work as he pleases. Um, our worship isn't some kind of a ticket that we use to get from God what we want. And I think we just have to be really careful about how we approach worship when we come to him in that way. Yeah, I think, um, you know, acknowledging that God is already worthy of being worshiped just from who he is and he created us, you know. Right. Um, and, and then on top of that, the miracle of salvation that we have um, adds to just our responsibility to just worship him and give him praise for what he's done for us. Um, and, you know, even if we weren't, we didn't see a, a, a single uh, miracle other than what he's already done for the rest of our life, he would still be worthy of worship. Exactly. Um, not that he is not going to work and, and continue to move and continue to do things in our life, but, um, um, you know, we talked about it being kind of like a like a vending machine, popping in the quarters and expecting, um, right. you know, things to come out. Um, but if, if we don't have that, the reverence and the, the, the spirit of worship 
just for who he is in the first place, um, mm-hmm. then I think we approach it wrong. You know, we're, we're approaching it like um, kind of like a kid wanting something from their parents, you know, and, and being nice to their parents, you know, and the parents are like, wait, what do you want? You know, and come to find right. out he wants a new toy or something, you know, like that's a <laughs> that's the, the wrong way to approach it. Right. And, and I think, too, that for those of us that lead corporate worship, especially, you know, I, I have to think about on a Sunday morning, um, I have to I have to come to the realization that within the room, there are probably going to be guests in our midst, that not everybody in the room is going to be a mature believer in Jesus Christ and have known him for years and have a, has a great deep understanding of what worship is. Um, there's going to be people in the room that are seeking. There's going to be people who perhaps, you know, went to church when they were young, but have wandered away from the church and are now coming back, um, seeking, seeking the Lord in that way. So they have a little bit of knowledge of who Jesus is, but they don't really have a, a true understanding of what worship is. And, and when we facilitate corporate worship experiences where we have that mindset of that, that God is kind of our vending machine and that if we offer him uh, worship and we and we we seek him and praise him, and it does say, seek first the kingdom of God and these things shall be added unto you, but it doesn't say when those things or how those things are going to be added unto you. And I think what we're doing is we're teaching those guests that, um, okay, I'm here, I'm worshiping, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I, I know, God, I've wandered away from you, but now I'm coming back. Now I need you to bless me, and I need you to to prove yourself to me. Um, and I think what happens is is where we seek, you know, those people. We tell them that God's going to do a breakthrough; He's going to do all these things, and then they leave that corporate worship experience, um, and they're kind of in the same boat they've always been, and and they leave disheartened. They leave um, even doubting that God exists because He didn't provide that breakthrough for them. And so I think that we have to be really careful in in the way that we lead worship to to help people understand that um, be, before God, you know, has done it. First of all, I mean, as you were saying, Chris, He's our Creator, He's our Sustainer, He's worthy of worship, whether He does anything for us or not. I mean, we were created to enjoy Him and to enjoy His presence and to desire to be with Him. And I think above all else, that's really what the priority of our worship should be. And then once that's our priority, then all of the other things kind of fall into place as a result of worship that is, you know, solely for the glory of God and to bring glory to Him. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I think there's also a freedom in that, just knowing that God's worthy of being worshipped and He's already done everything— Right. You don't have to. You don't have to th- be worried about. Okay, do I feel like worshiping today, or mm-hmm. am I in the right place to be worshiping, or you know, do I have, have I done things that won't allow me to worship? You know, the people they're always basing their worship on how they feel or what they've done or the their circumstance at the time, but if you acknowledge that that is irrelevant and God is worthy of being worshipped despite who we are, then you could worship fully no matter what, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel that day. You know, right. a lot of times 
people will say like, ah, oh, you know, I just don't feel like worshiping today. I'm not really in the mood or, you know, and, and that, that's, that just erases that, you know? <laughs> like, right. Exactly. Like you could yeah. be having the worst day ever and, and still it doesn't change what God has already done. Right. Know? Yeah. I mean, I, I love Job. I love the story of Job and I love the book of Job and I've been, I've been kind of doing a study on the life of Job and yeah, Job whined and complained a lot. Um, but I'm looking at how he worshiped God through his, his situation and all of the loss that he faced in his life. And even though he whined and complained, um, it's interesting when you look at the book of Job and you look at all 41, one or two chapters there is in that book, that, that Job never, and after he lost everything, Job never asked God for anything. He acknowledged that God was sovereign. He questioned why God would take all these things away from him. Um, but he never actually asked God to restore anything. He never asked God to give him back his, his livestock or any of his possessions. Um, he just knew that God was worthy of worship and that God was sovereign. God was in control. And I love his, I love his, his response to God because it was, I'm going to worship God in the good and in the bad because he's worthy of worship, regardless of my situation, regardless of my circumstance. God is worthy, and he and I'm going to make a choice to worship him. Now, for those of us <clears throat> uh, in, in, you know, after, after Jesus came, um, the cool part about our relationship with Jesus is that once we have a relationship with him, um, it's, called, it's kind of like the same approach where um, we, we don't have to be in a certain place like like ready to worship. Our hearts don't have to be ready to worship because as followers of Jesus Christ, actually the one that's presenting our worship to God is Jesus in us. And so if we just kind of surrender ourselves to him, the cool part about is when, when, when we put our trust in him and God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus in us. He sees Jesus, his perfect son. And, and what's cool, it says in Hebrews 2 that Jesus stands in the midst of the congregation and declares the glory of God to the brethren and to his Father. And so what that tells me is that Jesus is singing with me. He's, we're part of the family of God, and Jesus is offering praise to his Father along with me. And Jesus sees me, or God sees me in my redeemed state because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. So I just love that about worship, and we don't have to feel a certain way, because if we just kind of surrender ourselves to Jesus, he's going to utter words of worship for us that perhaps we can't even utter ourselves. Hmm. That's really good. Hi, I'm Ryan. It's been a long time since I've said anything. I don't think I've said anything yet on this episode. So Hi, Ryan. <laughs> Hi, this is just great stuff, just listening. Um I just gonna was going to jump in and say one of the big things that I know that I'm trying to teach my team pretty often is that um, anything that we run into on the weekend, any worship that we have, if we're if we're waiting for the weekend to be where we really get our fill of worship, we're going to be really really disappointed. And we'll tell this to our congregation yeah. too. Like the, the worship that we experience on the weekend comes out of a week of actually trying to connect with God, actually reading His Scripture, actually praying. Um, and I think the danger for a lot of churches, not even a danger, a regular thing for most churches is. People come in and that's their experience with 
God. It's that hour on the weekend, and right. they're not they're not reading scripture. They're not trying to seek God at all in it. And um, what I've seen too, that can get into even difficulties in song selection or people getting upset about volume levels or all of the trappings that we all deal with as worship leaders at our church. Like a lot of time, that comes from somebody who's hoping that that hour of the week is going to boost them up spiritually. Um, when at the end of the day, things like volume and whether you use fog machines or crazy lights <laughs> or all that, all of that stuff becomes secondary because if come somebody's on, coming, come on, Ryan, are you using fog? We use tons of fog. <laughs> awesome, man. It's the great. glory, glory, it's the kind of glory of the Lord settling down. Exactly. No, it's, exactly. No, it's, it's haze. I, I gotta be full, full disclosure. It's actually just haze in a, in oh, a okay. jug that we put on there. But <laughs> anyway, what I've seen is. <laughs> The people, the people that are like really concerned with that stuff, when when I actually take the time and I mean that this could be a whole other topic, but whenever there's complaints for song selection or all those normal things that we all deal with, I try to always sit down one on one with the person or at least get a phone call in and really try to get to the heart of what's going on. And and what I often run into is, um, man, their day to day relationship with the Lord could really grow because at the end of the day, what I've seen is the ones that are really seeking after the Lord, it almost doesn't matter what songs you do or how good it sounds or what it looks like or what it feels right. like because they're just there to worship. And and they yeah. they understand that like the rest of it, it makes our job tons easy when, you, when you're leading worship for somebody who's completely surrendered to the Lord, you almost don't even have to try because they're gonna worship whether you lead well or not or sound good or not. Um, so what am I saying with all this that, that, our, that our worship expression really is birthed out of just a relationship with the Lord? And, and I think, when we as worship leaders try to manufacture this 20 minutes on the weekend and we just beat ourselves up because we didn't feel like the spirit did what the spirit needed to do. And it's like, yeah, like everything you guys were saying, it's not on us. The spirit's right. going to gonna minister to every person individually. And a lot of that has to do with how they're connecting with them, uh, with the, the Lord throughout it. Yeah. I think what, um, what you're saying, Ryan also, um, pertains to the worship team, um, having rehearsal, and not recognizing God is in the room during rehearsal. A yeah, lot of times, good. a lot of times we're rehearsing on a Thursday night or a Saturday, and we're we're thinking about almost as if God's our guest that's coming on Sunday, and we're preparing for Him as mm. <laughs> as if He's not in the mm -hmm. room at that moment during yeah. rehearsal. And I think when we can acknowledge that, our rehearsals will change because it. It will be the same worship during rehearsal as it would be on a Sunday or, you know, whenever your service is. Um, but to me, that's a dangerous place where you think that you're kind of doing something behind the scenes, you know, or in secret in preparation for God to meet you on Sunday. Um, because then that starts spilling over, like you said, to the rest of your week, you know. Um, when you're preparing at home, you know, preparing mm -hmm. um, worship in your bedroom, you know, kind of running through the set list um, with the mindset that God is not there with you and, and you're preparing for the weekend versus, you know, I'm going to worship one on one with God in my room through these songs um, at this moment, you know, with him. That's those are two completely different mindsets. Um, and whether you acknowledge it or not, he's there. <laughs> and so but when I say it's a dangerous place, it's dangerous to, 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 to think that he's not there and you're doing something 
in secret or in private, um, worshiping him, you know, pre- pretending, I guess, preparing, you know, doing like a, a run through, um, because then that can spill over to how you act outside of church versus how you act inside of church, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So, so it, it all boils down to authentic authenticity um, and authenticity comes from recognizing God is, you know, even right here as we're talking, we're talking, you know, I'm, am, am I recognizing that he's listening to me talking about him right now? Or is it, are we talking about somebody that, you know, is off in the distance? You know, it's, it's just a mindset. Yeah. Yeah. We tend to compartmentalize, don't we? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I feel like I was just having this discussion with someone the other day of, in fact, it was this morning about how we we tend to compartmentalize our relationship with the Lord, and then that affects our worship. You know, oh, worship, like Ryan was saying, oh, worship is for Sunday morning. Um, but man, really, our whole lives are worship. Our whole, our the the whole reason that we're we're created is to reflect God's glory in everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think. And so, what leads us to think that we're not reflecting God's glory? Um, during rehearsal, or we're not reflecting God's glory in our conversation with our coworker at work, or when we're having dinner with our family. All every moment of every day, we are a reflector of God's glory, and we are we're offering worship with our lives. And so we have to. And and I think when we start to compartmentalize, like like you guys were talking about, it leads to those things that you were talking about, where we come. And our and our our hearts and our minds are not in the right place because we've compartmentalized and said, okay, this is God belongs here, God belongs here. Uh, I don't really need God here, but I'm going to bring God into this moment. And then when we do, like Ryan was saying, we 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 get so disappointed because it's not what it it we were expecting it to be, and so then we get focused on all these other things. But if we can if we can bring God into everything and realize that every moment of every day is designed and given by him and can be an opportunity to worship him, to boast in Jesus Christ, our whole attitude and our whole life changes as far as worship goes, whether we're in a rehearsal or wherever we're at. So, I, you know, that's that's something that I try to remind our teams about as well. Are you guys still there? Yeah, I was letting Ryan. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was like, I'm having a hard time jumping in. This is just like <laughs> fantastic stuff. We can edit out. We're getting a little bit deep. Yeah. Going deep. Going deep. Is there more? Is there more on this topic, or is there something else we should jump into? I mean, we could segue to like consumerism. Like consumer worship. Yeah, yeah. I think that ties in really well with with what we've been talking about. Um, sure. You know, and I and I think I think perhaps you know I've been in worship ministry for a long time, and so I've I've seen some of the changes and some of the directions that that ministries have gone in. Um, and I and and the ministries that I've been a part of have all been very conscientious about not creating worship. Um, that is consumeristic. In other words, making sure that when we come together in worship, that that it's it's lifestyle worship, and our coming together on Sunday morning is just an extension of that lifestyle worship of offering God 
adoration and praise and glory, um, but at the same time, trying to be relevant, and I hate that word, but relevant with the culture that's around us so that our methodology and the way that we offer worship is through means and through modes that our culture can relate with um, and relate to. Uh, and I think that's a really hard balance for a lot of churches because um, we've we've kind of gotten into this this thing where we say, you know, in fact, even the way we market our Sunday mornings or we market our ministries is um, we've got this great kids program and your kids are going to love it here. We've got this great student program. Your students are going to have a great time. They're going to meet with other friends. You know, they're going to grow in their relationship with the Lord. And so the way we market our churches is we talk about all the things that, that our churches can do for you, the worshiper. And what happens is unknowingly, I feel like we've created this, this mindset that the church exists for the people, which the church is the people, but I guess we would say the institution of the church exists to meet the needs of the people, when in, when in essence, the, the way that Christ <laughs> kind of designed the church is the other way around, that the people exist for the church. I mean, the, the people are what make up the church. And so when we come in, we, we realize that as a church, we have a mission. We have a mission to meet the needs of other people. We have a mission to, to go out and serve those both inside the body of Christ and those outside the body of Christ. And I think that's a difficult balance to find because um, while we want people to come to our church and be blessed by all the ministries that we have, perhaps maybe unknowingly we're, we're kind of creating and feeding that consumer mentality. So I think it's super important that once we have people walk in our doors, that we help them. And this is a difficult shift to make. We've attracted them with all of the, the ministries that we have to offer. But now, now that you're in the door, this is what you as the body of Christ, um, kind of like this is what Jesus Christ commands us to do in serving and, and getting outside of ourselves, realizing that as a church a member or as the as the part of the body of Christ, we've been called to serve others. That's that's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, I, th I think if if people are listening and they're like, "What is consumer worship?" Um, consumer worship is where your congregation um, comes to a worship service expecting to receive something mm -hmm. um, instead of the w the opposite which is how it should be is they've come to give something you 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 bring worship you give worship you don't receive worship um mm -hmm. and we it's hard because as worship leaders you know i even have asked people like um how was worship today you know right or, how did it go like i say that with my team all the time like hey great job today you know worship was powerful blah 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 um, mm -hmm. but we start throwing it around like something that, that, um, that we, we received like a concert, like, Hey, that, that, um, you know, journey concert was awesome. You know, they played so right. great, you know, like, and so y you go, you pay money and you go to the concert, you receive entertainment and then you decide whether you're not, whether or not you liked it, whether it was worth your money. Um, and hopefully you did enjoy it, and then there, therefore, you did get your money's worth. Um, but with with God, um, 
we don't we didn't pay anything he's the one that paid <laughs> so it's completely right. opposite you know so we need to be coming not with the mindset of a concert goer that's going to a concert but coming um with somebody as as somebody who who already received something and we're coming back to to give to worship you know right um and that's that's super tough in our society of you know everything just media tv concerts everything is based on us being consumers and to 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 re uh wire how we think um is is difficult and i think if we don't teach our congregations and and teach especially teach our worship team first um this concept and 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 flip it back to the way it's supposed to be then we're just constantly going to get complaints because people are expecting to be entertained you know like Mm -hmm. we're we're never going to be satisfied we're always going to be chasing something bigger and better um something that's not god at all it's just a it's just a um an experience or you know just a form of entertainment um so it's dangerous it's really dangerous um and i i can't even say that that i don't fall into that all the time you know with the way i talk um but just being aware of it you know we could start shifting things shifting how we teach it to our teams and then have our teams kind of teach it to the congregation um but Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think a really healthy church would be a church that understands that concept. Yeah. I mean, I look back to Abraham and Isaac, and I know, you know, when when Abraham, and that's kind of one of the first, um, I guess, um, experiences or, or one of the first um, mentions of, of worship in Scripture um, is where Abraham went to the, to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. Um, and that's exactly what his worship was. His worship was a sacrifice. In that process, Abraham did not expect anything from God. He expected to give his only son, Isaac, as an offering of worship to God. Um, and when Abraham came to God with that perspective of giving and not receiving, in the end, he did receive, didn't he? He received a blessing of the, the the ram was provided for the offering. He promised Abraham that that his line would go on and a savior would be would come from that. Um, and so there was tremendous blessing in that. But Abraham approached God with the idea of sacrificing and not getting anything in return. Um, and so I think that's a beautiful example of how we can approach God um, in our worship. Is this idea, like you said, Chris, of just of giving. Um, and when we do, then God blesses us in ways that we can, can't even imagine or even think. That's some deep, heavy stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> For those, those of you that have been listening, we've been swinging back into some episodes here this year. And uh, we just wanted to let you know we got a couple conferences coming up in 2019, yeah. both, on, both on the West and the East Coast. So if that piques your interest, I think probably your best bet is probably go shoot us a DM on Instagram or find us on Facebook and, and send us a message there. You'll, you'll hear more if you're following us. But um, Man, we'd just love to hear from you. If you've come this far, shoot us a DM on Instagram or leave us a comment or something. Give us a question. We're looking for the those questions that you might have about worship and worship leadership and church and all that. And and we're here for you. Um, I know in the midst of all this, we joked about some stuff that 
is very real for a lot of you. And I know a lot of you that are listening to this are dealing with a lot uh, that's going on. We'll look forward to seeing you there.